All right. So um, go ahead and ask that question again about the body and the feelings come first and then the mind. In Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa's book, um, Anapanasati uh, Manual for Serious Beginners, in a paragraph, he states that uh, you have to fully master the body and the feelings before uh, studying the mind. And yes. I was, my question is, what does it mean to fully master it? Because in my experience, uh, I, I have followed your good enough. So if my body is uh, comfortable enough, uh, if I feel safe enough, if I feel successful enough, then mm -hmm my mind is calm enough so that I can watch my my thoughts and get like a sense of of my mind. Right. Okay. So Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa is absolutely correct, but I think that part of the problem is the word that was used to translate what he was talking about using the word mastery. Mm -hmm. A much better word or phrase to use would be learn to control. Learning to control the body is a whole lot different than mastering the body. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, and so the, the connotations are there. Now, let's look at it from this perspective is, is that we do use the mind in order to control the body. Just like we started talking earlier in, in our talk before we turned the video recorder on about anxiety, tensions in the body, etc. like that that we notice those things and then breathe into them uh, with nurturing thoughts. And then that helps control the body so that we can breathe deeply, get the air and move the, um, uh, the, the blood chemistry around to get it more wholesome. By breathing out, we get rid of the carbon dioxide. And when the body's full of carbon dioxide because we're not breathing well, and by the way, Adrenaline creates a lot of carbon dioxide when it's breaking down. And then, in fact, when we eliminate the carbon dioxide, then it'll break down even further. So by controlling the breath and monitoring the body and looking for the tensions, you can see that the tensions will melt away because we're looking at the body. So this is how we control the body. Then we use language and reality of the body. So we get the body in the safe and comfortable position, get it comfortable in its sitting posture, get into a safe place, and then we can start talking about it. So we've got the reality that we're safe. We've got the reality that we're at least starting to get comfortable. And then we use the language of getting comfortable and safe. Haven't started uh, working on the mind yet. Not really, not the way that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa is talking about it. But we are using the mind to control the body. And we're using the mind also to uh, nurture the feelings. So that the body feeling complex with the reality of the thoughts and the reality of actually being comfortable and satisfied. Those two realities begin to work on the way that we feel which is kind of a slower mechanism than the mind. It's not as slow as the body, but the body can change and we can realize things 
but it's hard to realize things about the feelings. It's almost like people will deny that they're angry and frustrated when in fact they are. That it's not socially acceptable to be frustrated in public. And so if somebody is frustrated in public and somebody mentions that to them, they'll say, oh, I'm not frustrated, I'm just blah, blah, blah. And then they explain what they're frustrated about. <laughs> and so uh, the working with the body and the mind then on the feeling so that we can get and feel safe, secure, and comfortable and satisfied and we keep doing that over and over again, and then we get that feeling of, I can do this, that I'm successful at it, right? Okay, so that means now that we're controlling the body and we're actually beginning to control our feelings. Controlling the body is fairly easy to do because we can do that fairly well with the mind itself. Feelings a little bit more, <clears throat> but you can, in fact, come out of your hatred of things that yesterday I used an analogy and I'll use it again today. Most of the swelling in the hand has gone down, but two nights ago I was bitten by um, a long centipede. They're very famous in Thailand because if you get bitten by one, it will change your day. <laughs> what, what symptoms uh, are there? Well, uh, the, the the venom in these uh, little worms is atrocious. It is powerful. Okay, if that if that if there was more venom, these things actually have killed people. Uh, it's similar, but I'm I don't know about the chemistry of the venom, but I do know in Thailand that all the Thai people is very famous. That the worst pain that anybody can have is getting bitten by one of these worms, and they're all over the place. And so was one it of them in the bed. Hmm? Was Actually, it an excellent time a centipede. To It's not a worm. It's a centipede because it's got all of these hundreds of legs. They're black colored or very, very dark red. Yes. And they grow about this. And they also wind up curling themselves up for protection. All right. And here one is crawling on my shoulder in the bed with me <laughs> and i'm trying to figure out what it is because it's not small this is a bigger animal than, than than normal and finally i located where it was and picked it up to throw it out of the bed and when i caught it it caught me <laughs> and so i uh, uh uh then the then the intense sensation started and most people when they're like that they're in a great deal of misery but there's no medicine that will work on it. And so I, what I did was I started watching it, started looking at that sensation, started nourishing it and rubbing it with the thoughts of, oh, well, I can handle this. It'll be okay tomorrow. All I have to do is ignore it, is to get away from it. Okay, and so I put my mind to other things, like how nice it is in the bed without worms <laughs> or without <laughs> centipedes uh, and those kind of thoughts. And uh, with also the straight intention to going to sleep. Now, I'm telling this story because it fits in exactly because there's a lot of sensations in the body that we don't like. But instead of nourishing them, we are in a state of not liking 
we're in a state of unhappiness. But I, but the thoughts that I was having is, is that I'm bigger than that worm. I'm bigger than that centipede. I can handle this. It's just a little bite. I'll get over it. And I can just not pay it any attention other than just rubbing and massaging it. Okay, so yesterday morning I woke up and the whole hand was swollen. <laughs> and it had come, it was very swollen in this finger and then the swelling worked down. Even this finger started to pain, uh, started to have that intense sensation. And this part of the hand here, all the way down to here, got very, very red and tight. Couldn't make my fist, that kind of thing. And so nourishing it again, rubbing it again, moving it around again. And this morning, there's, it's gone. Nothing to it. Mm -hmm. Easy peasy. With one education, and that is now I know how intense pain can actually be. <laughs> I've never been bitten by one of those centipedes before, but I have seen big, big kerfuffles in families when somebody is bitten. In fact, there was a student at Watsu and Moak that, um, <clears throat> that got bitten in a meditation retreat. And there must have been 30 women around her trying to help her get over the, that intense pain. Because she didn't know how to manage it herself. Wow. So it's, it, it's and like so a, here I am now. Here I am now still nourishing and rubbing that hand yeah. and and helping it out and moving that stuff around to where mostly uh, the, uh, the, the child's mentality or the ordinary person's mentality is that I want to get rid of this. I, I want that pain to go away. I want all of that internal kind of an itching sensation and all of that kind of stuff. It's okay. I don't have to get rid of it. I can nourish it instead. So that is actually controlling the body. We're still not controlling the mind yet. We're still working on controlling the feelings about how do I like this sensation in the hand. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is an important point because it sounds like that we're already doing a whole lot of stuff with the mind, which we are. But when we get the mind ready for work, that's when the work begins. But we already have to have the feelings. Oh, I can handle that. We've got to have that mojo going. We've got to have that, uh, that spirit of the feeling of, yeah, I can handle anything. And so by controlling the body and controlling the mind, uh, excuse me, controlling the mind just enough to control the body and the feelings, we get ourselves into what I'm referring to as the first jhana that's so clearly specified right there in the Anapanasati Sutta. I mean, the elements of um, Anapana, uh, the elements of first jhana are listed right there within the, the Anapanasati Sutta. Relaxing the body, step four. Step five is pity. Step six is sukha. Step nine is the investigation of the mind, and step 10 is gladdening the mind, okay? So once we get them uh, uh, into the first jhana, which thou, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, refers that as now the mind is fit for duty. Now the mind is really fit for the investigation of the mind because we've already trained it to investigate the body and get that up and investigate the feelings and get that up. 
So now we're ready to actually do Paticca Samuppada of actually figuring out how the mind works. So basically we can say then that uh, the body and the feelings are done for the early part of the training. And you know that uh, I've probably said before that Paticca Samuppada is generally taught in forward order because of the cause-effect, cause-effect relationships, but we practice it in reverse order because we practice it <clears throat> when what we can see. And if things are going down, 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 and then we start seeing what's going on, that means that we're missing the early parts of it. Yeah, and so, I, I experienced that, I'm sorry, this week with uh, stopping the the thought, an unwholesome thought, and then identifying what was the feeling that was uh, feeding that thought and mm -hmm. then taking the energy away to, of, of that feeling, like relaxing the feeling. Yes, exactly. So that's basically the answer to your question without having to go into a whole lot more detail is, is that by getting the body and getting the feelings under the control of the mind, now we can actually bring the mind under its own control. And once we're doing that a little bit, that's going to be called the first jhana. And then the rest of the jhanas come from the actual controlling of the mind down at the level of perception. And that sounds like it's almost impossible to do when you actually think about it. But actually, you can get <laughs> the mind down to the point that you can see something without having to process it that we can accept it as new input and then new input and then new input that's coming through the senses, like the sensations in the hand, for instance. All right? And so we just keep it as input. We don't process it. And what I mean by processing it is an attempt to understand. And we go around our whole life trying to understand, make sense out of things that if we can't make sense out of it, we can't operate. That's the, the lie that we're told. The reality is, is that if we don't understand it, the best thing to do is to do nothing and just take more input. So but we in, kind of feel on the spot in society. This is why this is better practiced in seclusion. Mm-hmm. But eventually, after we get the, the feelings really good, we get the body under control. Now we can back up a little bit uh, earlier into the process to see so actually how the mind works. What you're saying is that in the same way that I saw what feeling, what was the feeling that was powering or feeding the thought, I can see what what's the input, sens sensory input that's feeding the perception. Well, let us say still that we have to be able to get into the first jhana to, to be able to do this, okay? And there's actually a sequence of events. One of them, in fact, is, is that um, once we experience or start working with the jhana, now the skill that has to be developed is repeatedly getting back into first jhana, getting into first jhana, getting into first jhana over and over again, because the student is not, um, let us say, sufficiently skilled 
enough to completely eliminate unwholesome thoughts. That in fact, all, most of the thoughts, like 75% of all of our thoughts are unwholesome. Thoughts of work to do, thoughts of winning, thoughts of uh, 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 showing him, thoughts of revenge, all of these kind of thoughts, thoughts of work to do, thoughts of the past. And so by intentionally bringing the thoughts into the wholesome, we get the body and the feeling system in correct operation so that we're beginning to actually unify the mind in wholesome. We're unifying the body in wholesome, unifying the feelings into the wholesome. So once we get into the first jhana now, what are we going to do with it? Now that the mind is fit for work, what are we going to do with it? We're going to start working, watching how we come up with understanding. In other words, I know that's a tree. How do I know it's a tree? What kind of background do I have? And then I start reviewing in the fact that actually I have a stored database of maybe 75 to 100 different varieties of trees. Everybody does. We may not know them by name, but we know that tree by that kind of tree it is. That example of that I've got a tree that's sitting right here uh, beside me. I've watched it grow over the years, but I was in love with this tree long before I knew what kind of tree it was. Finally, some Thai person told me that the name of it in Thai, and I immediately put that back with the poly, that this is a Sema tree or a Sem tree. And it is a cousin of the Bodhi tree. Both of them are ficus. Mm. Okay. I didn't know the name of the kind of tree it was. I just know this tree and I know its leaves. Right. The same thing with the fan palm that I've got here, as well as the coconut palms. I don't have to know the names of those trees to know them. In fact, various languages have various names for various trees. So the name itself is not the knowledge of the tree. So mm -hmm. this is the example of beginning to understand how Salayatana comes about. Now, Salayatana, you can think of as kind of like a, um, uh, a cinema screen inside the mind where the movie is produced. In other words, once we see something with the eyes, what do we make of it? And the answer would be within the teaching of the Buddha is, is that uh, this is actually out of the Baddati Sutta, where the Buddha says uh, that the scene is merely the scene, and the herd is merely the herd, and the cognized is merely the cognized. What that means is, is that we're just taking raw input and not processing it into an understandable thing. We don't have to understand it. But as you know, that not understanding something brings up doubt. And so we <laughs> become full of doubt. So the better thing to do is just not worry about what is this and just enjoy it. We don't have to name it. We don't have to figure out what it is. We don't have to know. It's the ta-ta-ta. How do you ta pronounce it? Ta-ta-ta. Ta-ta-ta. 
just that's it just thusness just the scene is merely the scene it does not have to be interpreted into name this is what uh process that we're talking about is called perception and in the Pali, it's also called uh sanya but in the talk about uh Patita samapati it's named as nama rupa now what that means is is that the rupa is the real that's what is seen but we name it in order to understand it that a name is like um the handle on a suitcase right and so we speak in handles we don't speak in reality we speak in names and in words okay and so the handle of the suitcase then makes it easy to pick up and carry around the suitcase. If we don't uh, put a handle on that suitcase, I mean, even CB radios, you know, the ha- what's your handle? What's your name? Right? If we don't name that back, that package and don't put a handle on it, then we can't carry it around. That's why we keep wanting to name things, figure out what they are, know how to pick it up and carry it, which means when we're carrying it, we care about it. If we don't name it and don't put a handle on it, we can't carry it. And so we don't care. (laughs) We just leave it there. In this case, the suitcase. So that's the whole point about how to actually train the mind just like we train the body and then train the feelings the ultimate is is to train the mind by looking at the fact that we don't have to understand anything just enjoy it <laughs> as it is um a, another kind of example of that would be a novel or a movie that's a murder mystery and the whole point is is that everybody wants to guess who the murderer is while they're still reading the book. If you really want to know who the murderer is, go to the past couple of chapters or past couple of pages because it'll be right at the end of the book. So you don't have to guess and try to figure out who the murderer was. If you're going to read the novel, just enjoy the novel. Enjoy what's happening in the novel on the page that you're reading and stop trying to figure out what's going to happen or who's who done it. Right? So if we can understand that about a novel, we can understand that about our whole life. We don't have to know the end of the story. We can just let it unfold in front of us. We don't have to figure it out. And when we come to that, there's no more doubt because the doubt is the process of trying to figure, I want to know, I want to know. And so that's why we come up with this salayatana. The salayatana is what we've done with our sensory input to figure it out, to make a concept out of it. Mm, okay. And, and we can't do that when we're full of feelings. We have to get the feelings under control before we can figure out how the mind itself works. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. That's something that's, that's an important statement that Bhikkhu Buddhadasa put in that book. But the book wasn't long enough or um, <clears throat> detailed enough to explain what that means. 
in the relationship that I can explain it to you here. But Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa is absolutely spot on. And yet, in a way, no, we do have to train the mind in order to train the body. We do have to train the mind in order to train the feelings. But once we get the feelings and the body under control, now we can look at what's doing the controlling. You have to figure out this thing called perception. And you've heard statements something like neither perception nor non-perception or nothingness, infinite consciousness. Okay, now what the word infinite consciousness actually means is, is that we keep taking input and keep taking input. And normally what happens is, is that we see something or take sensory input, then we process it to come to a conclusion. That's what is served to the feelings called contact that whatever we came up with that's what impacts us not the original data okay i'm gonna make it a technical question right now okay it's like um in order to make decisions because we care about things so we care about the future we make models out of the our input and our models mm -hmm. help us help our predictive capabilities so, but we still have to make decisions. Just that ideally not, not care too much about the, the outcome or just care about do, doing things skillfully and not about uh, if the outcome goes according to my model or not. Exactly, right. That in fact is the interesting part is, is that the whole human race is trained to try to control the outside world. We learn to control a car, learn to control a computer, learn to control a keyboard, learn to control other people, learn to control governments, etc., like that. But here we're learning to control what's going on on the inside without trying to fix the outside. The outside is already okay. What's broken is our attitude about the outside. Okay, so. In the re respect of what we're talking about, Donald Trump is okay. Joe Biden is okay. Putin is okay. Ukraine is okay. Whatever they're doing, they're doing it. Or the other possibility, which most people do, is, is that, oh, Ukraine, oh, I care very much about Ukraine, and I'm sitting here in my chair feeling bad, hating Putin, hating some American politician, et cetera, like that. And the reality is, is that Putin and Zelensky and Joe Biden and Donald Trump, none of those guys are here on the porch with me. So they're not part of my reality. Any thoughts that I have about them are conceptual thoughts. So why not have conceptual thoughts of joy rather than conceptual thoughts of, Oh, that politician is bad. And oh, that politician is really bad. But the really, really bad one is. <laughs> okay. And so that's the way that we think about it. And the answer is, is that we're creating unwholesome thoughts out of concepts about a reality that doesn't exist. Putin is only a concept to you. The only Putin you know is the one between your ears. What are you going to make of him? You're going to make hatred from him or are you going to make, okay, well, 
Putin's all right. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> and that's when we can just enjoy the show because we're not trying to predict the future. We're not hoping for an outcome. We're not hoping that Ukraine will be well, because you know that it will be. Eventually, things are going to get straightened out. One way or the other, Putin's going to leave the Ukraine. And so there's no problem, not our problem. Now, we can apply, I've given those four examples of the politicians, but the point is, is that we do that with everything. And so at that level of when the mind is really fit for work, we can see how we create these realities for us. But the reality of Putin only exists between your ears. The real Putin, you don't know him. It's all come to you in the form of handles. Things that people have made up. Stories, in fact. And so that's the way of thinking about it. Stop telling ourselves stories, especially scary stories. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's got a horror movie going on and it's happening on the screen between their ears. (laughs) And when we can begin to see how those stories are created through this Nama Rupa perception process, then we can say, hey, I don't have to do that. I could sit here and enjoy myself without understanding anything about what's happening with Putin, Zelensky, <laughs> and Trump, and Biden. They're not my problem. <laughs> and then we can come into that position of just the scene is merely the scene, and the herd is merely the herd, the cognized is merely the cognized. And when we are cognizing, we know that that's what we're doing. We're merely cognizing. That's, therefore, that's, uh, it has very little impact upon us or none at all. Just like I'm talking and using language like Putin and Lewinsky and Trump and Biden and that. But if I don't have any caring about it, don't have any handle on it, I can have that cognized. Knowing that that's all I'm doing is just cognizing it, and then it doesn't impact. So basically, then that state that in the Pali is called pasa, the contact, is when we take that handle, that name that we put it, and actually attach it mentally to the situation, Mm. to the suitcase. We actually attach that handle. We contact that. And we pick it up and carry it around because we care about it. But if we just cognize it, that's all. We add that name into our contact book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. But we don't carry it around. Just like most cell phones have a whole lot of contacts that we don't contact. <laughs> Very, very interesting. Yes, all of that comes out of that one little phrase that you heard from Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa that's in that book that uses the word mastery of the body, mastery of the feelings, and then mastery of the mind. But how we master the body is with the mind. 
how we master the feelings is with the mind and the feelings. And when we get the, the body and the feelings in here, now we can really see what is happening within the mind. It comes up with all of this clinging, all of this handle that we keep attaching to packages so that we can carry it around and care about it. That's why I use the thing, uh, it, mind over matter is real. If you don't mind, it don't matter. <laughs> And so that minding quality is what we're beginning to look at. In the beginning, we start walking about don't don't let it matter. Don't let it matter. Don't let it matter. We're up in the later part. We're up into the area of clinging. That's the that's the carrying it around means we care about it. We cling to it. We hold it. We take it with us. And so like in, in the uh, uh, position of Putin, there are people who spend twin 12 hours a day hating the man. Plotting and scheming and trying to figure out how they can defeat him and all of that kind of stuff. And they could have a much better, happier life if they just forget all about Putin. Because their Putin is nothing but a concept. The real dude, they don't even know him. So stop carrying stuff around is the uh, the ultimate goal, but then not carrying it, setting it down. The next part would be is look how we put our handles on that item so that we can pick it up. Now we begin to look at the fact that we're actually creating that handle through perception. And when we stop perceiving it, and just let raw input come in through the uh, the eyes so that the scene is merely the scene, nothing else, just the scene, not processed into an understanding, just left it as the scene. And when we hear that word, that makes it so simple. The scene is just merely the scene. The herd is just merely the herd. The cognized is just merely the cognized. And we don't attach the handles to it. It doesn't contact us. We don't pick it up. We don't have feelings about it. And when the feeling, when the perception stops, the feelings stop. And they were just taking input. There really is not much to this, but because people don't understand what these jhanas are all about, because we don't understand what the jhanas are all about, we make them special. We make them highfalutin. We put our own handles on it. And everybody's got their own handles about what the fourth jhana is. And the real fourth jhana is stop putting handles on things. <laughs> stop naming it. Stop trying to understand it. Stop having judgments about it. Is it good or is it bad? It just is. And when we have the scene is merely the scene and the herd is merely the herd, that means that we're living in paradise. But if we see something and we don't like it, we're, we're destroying the paradise and turning it into a hell. But if you just take it in and just let it be, it's a flood. It's quite a lot because so much stuff is happening all the time. The cause and effect relationships between things, the anitra, is going at high speed. 
Things happen. We don't even see it happening. Because we're trying to figure it out instead of looking. <laughs> and when we just look and just look, there is so much. I mean, I'm sitting here and I can see that there's a hundred million different shades of green. Green is not one color. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands of greens. And we can just see them and just take it in. We do this on a regular basis, but only for a very short time. And then we look at something and then we want to figure it out. We want to study it. Instead of just receive it as data. So this is what Bhikkhu Buddhadasa means about controlling the mind so that you can get it back to the state of that you're not trying to make sense out of anything, you're just receiving it. The example that I would use is on a computer that um, you can do a high-speed copy. You're taking data in from this drive and put it in on that one and taking information in, and the only time that this input has to wait is because of the processing that needs to be done to write it out. But if you've got a program, let us say a program that's working at the bank and they take in a record about somebody's name and their account, and it's got to spin and spin and spin and spin and spin and spin and then come up with the conclusion of the right amount of money. They've got to do the arithmetic. So you could say then that um, consciousness is like numbers and perception is like doing mathematics and then the then the, the equation or the answer to the equation is the outcome which we have on the screen that's our uh the poly word is saliatana it's our understanding so we've solved that problem the 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 uh equations solution that we have perceived now is what contacts us. The original input data, we don't care about anymore. We only care about after it's processed. And that's what uh, we have feelings about. So the thing to do is to not try to understand the equations. Most people do that when they get a hold of some, uh, you know, like YouTube and they say, all oh, this is about physics. And so they say, yeah, I like physics. And so they watch the video and all of a sudden the video is full of equations that very few people will take the time to figure out. And so the answer with this is, is that, oh, well, if you're going to be a good mathematician, you've got to know that equation. You've got to figure that thing out and come up with a solution to it. Right. That's what science is all about. Dhamma is all about leaving the numbers as just numbers. <laughs> you don't have to add them together. Mm -hmm. uh, it could also have to do with trusting your, your body, trusting your, your brain, because if you add an equation to the perception, to the consciousness, it's like you don't trust the raw input and you have to adjust it so that it, could, it can be useful. Right. Look at all of that adjusting and tinkering that we have to do with perception in order to come up with a solution. And that's the way that the mind works. And all we have to do is start paying attention to the reality as it is, opening your eyes and just looking and just receive the data without having to try to make any sense out of it anyway. Just enjoy the show. We don't have to figure out the villain we don't have to figure out the hero. 
We don't have to figure out anything. Just enjoy the show. And so that's how we get the mind, um, let us say, under control. Is that we can, in fact, take the time from time to time to stop perceiving and just enjoy the show. Don't have to figure it out. I use the analogy from Shakespeare. All the world's a stage and everyone is a player. But then I expand that by saying, yeah, and every one of us who were standing on that stage is reading a script that was given to us by the producer, our parents who produced us. The society mm -hmm. gives us a script and everybody's there standing on the world stage reading a script. But we don't have to do that. We could just stand on stage and watch the show or better still leave the stage, go sit in the audience because the audience is empty. Everybody's on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and so we can go sit in the audience and just enjoy the show. And it's quite a racket with everybody reading their script. All seven billion of us is out there reading their scripts. <laughs> 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 Trying to make sense out of the world. We're in the fact the world doesn't need to make, have made sense out of it. Just enjoy the, the world or the reality as it is, as it comes in through the senses. And yet when we start to study Buddhism, we run across all these <laughs> highfalutin words. And we don't understand them so that we make them special. But if you can understand the fourth jhana and all of its features, it's just the seen is merely the seen, and the heard is merely the heard, and the cognized is merely the cognized. It's not recognized, it's just cognized. And that's what we do with the mind that's fit for work is we figure out how the mind actually works when it's fit for work. It's hard to figure out how the mind works when the mind's not fit for work. <laughs> so back to that brilliant statement of Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. Yeah, this is how we do it. We work with the body. And the body and the mind, we work to to get the feelings in gear. And when we have the body and the and the feelings operating correctly, which would then be first jhana, then we use that first jhana to start investigating. One of the things that we're going to fully investigate is the first jhana. But when we investigate the first jhana, especially paying a lot of attention to how good we feel and how marvelous it is, that's actually second jhana. Because we're not thinking about it, we're just feeling it. That sensory input, just feeling how good I feel. And then the third jhana is letting that subside into just experiencing how good it is to be satisfied. Just satisfied. And then the fourth jhana is when now the mind is fit enough for work so that we can begin to see this process of uh, Vinaya Sanya Namarupa Salayatana. And then Paso that contacts it gives our feelings. That we're not we don't have any feelings if we're not contacted 
and if we uh, don't get contacted by what we cognize, then prelims are not going to occur. If we do not make something out of it, perceive it, Nama Rupa, make the handle on it, put the name on it, then then the screen is kind of blank. And so there's no story to tell, which means there's no feelings to happen. Now, how the Buddha figured this out, I don't know, but now that I understand it, <laughs> it's like spot on. How could he have, you know, the answer to that was that he had these, he had those skills already developed. He just didn't know what to do with them. Yeah, when the mind is fit for work, so what? <laughs> so what? Because he, he did the jhanas. He got them. And he says, what is this? You know, this is not what I'm looking for because when I come out of the jhanas, I kill, come back to dukkha. <clears throat> so the real training is the first jhana. Let's spend all of our time in first jhana because you can think of the first jhana is sort of like the living room of the house and that all of the other rooms of the house are just doors into the rest of the house. The first thing that we have to do is to get that first jhana. Once the first jhana is done, then all we need to do is start paying attention to how good we feel. Start paying attention then to how relaxed we are. And then when we get that point, now we can uh, start to figure out how did I get unrelaxed? How did I get to be a victim rather than the winner? And we can see that stuff clearly when the mind is fit for work. How do you get the mind fit for work? Get the body relaxed, comfortable, and satisfied, restful, peaceful. How do we get the, the feelings? The feeling of safe, secure, comfortable, and satisfied, and then successful. We could do this. Okay, so that's now the first jhana. What do we want to do with that? We want to figure out how the mind works. <laughs> how did I get myself into these good feelings? Yeah. I basically perceived them. That's how I got them. I perceived them. And so that's also part of the mind training is the fact that we are actually perceiving things in a new way. We're using good fuel. What fuel are we using? Just the consciousness without adding the old past. So the example that I use is like a wood-burning stove and consciousness is the fuel, the wood that we put into it one little sliver of wood at a time. But what we do instead is, is that we take that wood out of the bog or whatever, and it's covered with the past, it's covered with dirt. And so if you put dirty firewood in the stove, it's not going to give much heat and it's going to give a whole lot of smoke. And if we can tune the perception, you could say that perception then is the arrangement of the wood and the vents, the flues, uh, the um, air intake, that kind of stuff. But when we put dirty wood in our stove, it's going to smell. 
It's going to not give much heat. And it's going to be smoky. And that's how we live our lives. So how, the whole point is, let's get good firewood. Let's get good perception, or not good perception, let's get good input. Let's get good wood to put in our stove. And then the mind itself is the fire. Mm-hmm. So that might help right. you understand it. Let's put good wood in. Let's put new wood in. Let's take wood that's just been pressed or chopped, not stuff that's been laying out in the snow and the ice and the dirt for three or four years or five years. That wood doesn't burn well. It's actually quite easy. I mean, it's fairly easy to understand. The question is, can you actually catch yourself making stuff up about what you see? That that's one of the things that we're trained to do in our society is make guesses. We do that with multiple choice questions. That in fact, possibly the right way to do it would to be have a have the question on the exam with four different answers, and they're all wrong, and there is no fifth or sixth answer, none of the above. The only way to answer that question properly is by not checking any of the boxes. If you check a box, you're wrong. <laughs> But the bath professors don't do that. They're not sneaky like that. I think the only teacher that I know of that ever did that was Dr. Sapko. He was a physics professor. Because you really got to know what you're doing, because if you check the box, it's going to be wrong. Don't check the boxes. Mm -hmm. Don't make something up. If you don't know the answer, don't make something up. That's what we do. We go around playing a guessing game. Why? Because we don't like to be in doubt. And so any answer at all is better than no answer is the way that most people live. And the reality is, if you don't know, leave it unknown. And just take more input. If you keep observing something, (laughs) you'll figure it out. (laughs) But if you try to tell a story about it, you're going to miss it. Sounds like uh, like um, some agency that yielded to lobbying. Like this topic needs further research. I can't decide yet. I'm sorry. Oh yes, that's what research is about. It's not coming to a conclusion. Just do more experiments. And if you keep doing this experiment that gives us result over and over and over and over again, then that's science. If we do an experiment, we don't understand it. So, oh, it must be this. Mm-hmm. Then that's religion. <laughs> so here the result is always undetermined. Yeah. No. No, no, no results necessary. Why? Here's the, here's the secret to it, is, is that if we come to a conclusion, we make that a concept, and then we'll apply that concept to the next one and miss. The better thing to do is to just keep investigating and not come to a conclusion. 
just keep investigating. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, and the answer will present itself through the data that you're receiving rather than trying to get us uh, get an answer because we're in a hurry and we want an answer. We're not satisfied with being in a place of having no answers. And so it's okay. Or, or rather, just sorry. Well, go ahead. Rather that we, we get an answer, but that answer is valid only for that moment. Right, only for that moment. Yeah, and, and science is based on on that that predictability. So right. it assumes because that we keep, that but we keep testing. I uh -huh. I shopping. Okay. Well now you really look good. Very nice. I like that. Hey. Okay, well bye bye, kitty. Enjoy. <laughs> Yes, just enjoy the show, because if we come to a conclusion, then we'll hold that conclusion. We'll carry that conclusion. We take that conclusion as a handle and strap it to something so that we can carry it around and care about it. So let's stop making conclusions. Let's stop creating concepts. But we only can do that if the mind is really fit for work. In that regard, I'm talking above the heads of most of the students. That what we should stay with them is get your body under control, learning to breathe, learning to throw that anxiety out, learning to get comfortable, learning to control our feelings so that we really feel comfortable, safe, secure, satisfied, successful. And then there's actually an extra one on that list. You know what that one is after success? wealthy we feel wealthy not rich with money just rich with reality rich wealthy with the dhamma successful 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 until we got so much success <laughs> all we could do was just give it away <laughs> respect Excellent. So do you have a next question or is this one good enough? This has been fantastic. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd, I'd like to talk with you about another topic for a moment. Let's go ahead and finish the video. And we'll turn the video off and just hang in there, okay? Sure. All right. So folks watching the video, enjoy. <laughs> just enjoy the show. <laughs> 